Hey y'all, Alex Barinka here, head of external affairs at Verishop and host of Finding Inspo, the first ever shoppable podcast where I sit down with founders, creators, and influencers from across the retail world and pick their brains for information you can use in life and in business. What I'm most interested in is where they are finding inspo and how they turn that inspiration into reality. Because that ability to take an idea and turn it into a real product that others love is what really makes them different. My guest this week drew inspo for his skincare brand from real life. And when it comes to Nima Jalali, that's a very extreme life. Now, I've talked to a number of founders on this podcast who had complete 180s in their careers. Brenda Brock from Pharmastetics went from soap opera actress to clean skincare founder. Andrew Cinnamon went from furniture design to making statuesque incense holders and the scents to go with it. And Eva Gokicheha went from social media at Everlane to creating vibrators for sexual wellness company Maud. But none of them were pulling actual 180s or switch lip side 270s or front side board slides. That's right, before Nima Jalali was creating his line of clean sunscreens, natural deodorants, and other skincare products at Salt and Stone, he was actually a pro snowboarder. It may seem like a wild ride to go from the cold of the mountain to making a clean skincare company, but if you're an aspiring snow bunny like me, you'll know just how viciously the sun can scorch any exposed skin when you're up on that mountain. Some of my worst ever burns were definitely created slopeside, not beachside. And pro athletes, particularly the extreme variety, are very in tune with how their bodies are calibrated and how everything you put on or in them can affect performance. That's also why Nima designed salt and stone products to do more for your skin than just protect it from the sun. So have a listen to my conversation with Nima Jalali about how he went from the slopes to the shelves as creator of Salt and Stone. So I learned the hard way. You were talking about your worst sunburn yeah. coming from, uh, from uh, snowboarding. I came in Mammoth on a uh, spring day uh, before I ever used sunscreen. I remember I, um, I had my goggles up on my head for some reason. I didn't even have on my face and I didn't wear sunscreen. And I came home. I, it was literally two days of snowboarding like that. I don't know why I didn't wear my goggles and I was out there all day, came home, felt pretty cooked and, and woke up the next day and I opened my eyes and I couldn't see anything. My eyes were sunburned and my, oh my God. and my skin was so like started blistering. It was the worst sunburn ever. And like, I remember that I was working at my dad's restaurant that <laughs> summer and I would go in and people were just like, thought I got burned in a fire. It was so gnarly. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. And I couldn't, I, it took me like a few days before I could see properly. And right there, I was just like, okay, wear your goggles and wear your sunscreen. I, I think that that is a great impetus to go out and, uh, I've never had my eyes sunburned before. That's... Oh, it's the worst. I, I woke up, I was like, I think I was 19 and I, I just woke So old enough to know better. Old enough to know better. Yeah. I mean, you live and you, yeah. <laughs> you live and you learn and whether your parents teach you or you learn on your own I learned the hard way um but it wasn't fun I remember waking up and just like wait am I blind am I ever gonna see again <laughs> I couldn't see anything I see a lot of kind of the similarities between um 
being a pro snowboarder and being an entrepreneur in that there has to you have to have a really high stomach for risk and you have to be okay jumping into things and doing things that no one's done before or that you might be afraid to do. I think that's something that's really terrifying. And when you're a kid, that might be putting your body at risk. But when you're growing up and you're becoming more money, money savvy and thinking about your future, financial sphere is is kind of the big thing. How do you kind of how do you think you took your life as a snowboarder into your now role as an entrepreneur? Well, so snowboarding, you get it double. You get the financial risk because you're risking not going to school and like maybe turning down job offers, whatever, to go pursue this thing. Um, And you're also risking getting hurt, you know? And so it's like kind of double the risk there. And um, yeah, totally. I mean, there's definitely uh, similarities there. And I think that, um, you know, maybe experiencing that with snowboarding helped me be able to kind of take these risks with with the brands that I've been a part of. Do you, do you consider yourself fearless? No. I'd say I'm probably more fearless than average and and, and I pay the price a lot for it too, but I've all, a lot of the success I've had is is because of that as well. So I've made some stupid decisions based off of that, but I've also, you know, had some great investments and business moves based off that too. What's the typical um career progression like in snowboarding? Are you scrapping? Do you just kind of go up the corporate ladder? Like what, what, is, what is it like in that world? So it's different for different uh, people, obviously. And then there's different types of pro snowboarding. There's your pro snowboarders who do contests and they get paid with, you know, winning contests and the, the prize money and stuff like that. I was more of, you know, featured in magazines and videos. And so I had sponsors that were you know, paying me paychecks. So like a boot sponsor, a clothing sponsor, snowboard sponsor, binding sponsor, goggle sponsor. Like that's, that's how, how, uh, kind of the way my career went. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, you start off as an amateur and you are scraping by as an amateur usually. And you're just almost, you know, you're getting a little paychecks and you're selling snowboards to get by and just kind of trying to get to that next level. And then when you get to the next level, when they turn you pro, then you're you're making a living. And sometimes it can be great. And sometimes it's you're still not doing great. It just depends on kind of what level, who your sponsors are. So it just varies. I mean, I had friends that did extremely well. And then friends who just sort of were just as talented, who are kind of sort of scraping by. So And how would you classify your, your run there? Uh, I think I was just above... I was above scraping by, but I never was like, you know, like I never doing extremely well financially from snowboarding. And, um, but I, I loved it and I worked super hard at it and it was never about the money at the time. It just was just about being able to support that lifestyle. Like just the fact that I was able to go snowboarding every day and do what I love to do and not have to work another job to do that. That's all I really wanted at the time. As I got older, that what I wanted changed a little bit. Started thinking about like my financial future and stuff like that. But for the most part of my 20s, I was just cool with just not being able to save too much money and just kind of make my living in snowboard every day. I'm low-key geeking out because I was one of the first girls who picked up snowboarding when I was 10. We would all go on these group trips and all the guys would go off and do the little tree trails. And I was like, screw it, do skis or are done with. 
uh, you know, strap myself to a board for two days of lessons and, and have been doing it ever since. So nef- definitely not near as awesome as you are, but I always found that the mountain was kind of this mental retreat for me. I'm in front of a screen all day. It's very kind of go, go, go. It'd be really different for me if that was my job. How do you kind of, ba- how did you balance that love that you say, the reason you were doing it? doing all of this and the reason you were scrapping by with also kind of the reality of the fact that you had to subsist on this kind of job. Yeah, it was definitely started to become a challenge later on in my career and why I started thinking about, you know, what was going to happen afterwards, because at first it was all pretty easygoing and, and, uh, just really no worries and, and just snowboarding. And, but as things kind of went on and I started learning more about the industry, it was sort of it started getting a little bit more stressful with all the young talent coming up. You're always, there's always, you know, someone who's, you know, working harder and, you know, younger and coming after your, your position, you know? And so you just kind of, there's some stress associated with it. When, when did you kind of decide, what was the moment that you decided, all right, I got to figure out what is after snowboarding? Um, I blew up my knee. So I got, I had an ACL surgery and I remember, um, it was literally the next day, like coming out of surgery and waking up the next day and just like, oh shit, I have to, I have to figure out what happens next. And so that was, that was it. And I always kind of knew that there was going to be something business wise for me after snowboarding. I didn't have a concrete plan or, or anything. I had little ideas here and there, but I think the day after my surgery, just because if you have knee surgery or any kind of, uh, surgery from an injury where you're laid up, you almost, you almost can't imagine like walking or using whatever got operated on, you know, just because it's just, you can't even move it at that time. And so I couldn't even imagine like walking on it at that point. So I'm just like, okay, I got to figure something out, um, other than snowboarding or for life after snowboarding. And so I just started brainstorming and called up, you know, some close friends and, and we decided to launch our first, um, company in the snowboard industry. That was an eyewear brand, and so we made uh, snowboard goggles and sunglasses, and and uh, I I did that during my recovery. So your your goggles company was your first baby post injury, post recognizing that your life as you knew it had to evolve. Um, now you have Salt and Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about Salt and Stone. So Salt and Stone is um, was started as a side project for me, and the way it came about was uh, I was in my friend's surf shop and I and I was just, you know, hanging out with him and I was looking at the the sunscreens that he carries and they were all, you know, kind of just chemical sunscreens and stuff I wouldn't use and they all had just kind of really uh, like packaging that I wasn't packaging and branding that I wasn't into and he was just telling me how well these sunscreens do and he's just doing weekly reorders and it's just kind of like just turn and burn like reorders reorders and so it just popped into my head um i've always ever since my knee surgery i started really getting into um eating healthier and um, i even went vegan for a little while and with that came like the interest to start using more natural products on my body too so if i was using a sunscreen i would always you know be buying it from like whole foods or erewhon or whatever and so um yeah, so I just had the idea to create a natural sunscreen line in that would be marketed to and sold to pro uh, sold to surfers and snowboarders um, in kind of that world, and that was the original idea. Um, and it's been pretty amazing how we've been 
well received outside of that world. When we started actually getting traction outside of the surf and snowboard and uh, that and outside of that world, I started getting really um, worried about being um, a, a snowboard brand or a surf brand, and I started wanting to kind of hide that, you know. And then um, now what, what we're learning is that's actually why a lot of these retailers and why a lot of our consumers like us all over here. A lot of our retailers talk to their customers and say, oh, this was this sunscreen was founded, you know, this brand was founded by a pro snowboarder who, you know, wanted to create a natural sunscreen. And so it's cool. And we've really started to embrace that. Um, whereas before I was kind of running from it because I thought that's not what people wanted. And um, so that's been pretty, pretty cool um, to, to see how everyone's been, uh, you know, responding to that. And well, and formulating sunscreens, particularly one with as high level of standards as you have for ingredients, it's no joke. How did you even kind of start to figure that out? Because that whole process I, I've heard is not, it's not, it's not the easiest for, for skin protection in particular. Yeah, it's not. It was really challenging and it's been the most challenging product that I've ever created for sure. And challenging in formulating and also challenging in continuing to sell it because you have to keep up with regulation. So it's it's just challenging in really like every aspect. But formulating it is was was a was a challenge and and uh um it took us uh a, a year and a half to develop our first one. And we, I just hold a very high standard. I've used a lot of sunscreen. I grew up surfing and skateboarding and snowboarding. So I, I used sunscreen every single day. I know what I hate about the bad ones and I know what I love about the good ones. What and do you love about the good ones and what do you hate about the bad ones? Um, I mean, I don't like, well, let's talk about the natural sunscreens, um, the, the clean sunscreens. I don't think, I don't like the ones that leave a, you know, super white residue on your face. I don't think that, I think that, you know, if you want to go for a surf, you should be able to get out of the water and maybe go to a lunch or a business meeting or whatever without having to like go home and scrub. You might be one of the few that's surfing and then going to business meetings. I don't know. I live in LA now, but <laughs> I, I appreciate the sentiment at least. I, I wish that's my life one day. Well, I mean, it's, I feel like <laughs> just doing anything, you know, I mean, you put on that, you put on sunscreen that ha leaves that white residue. It's really hard to wash off. Yeah. Your, oh, 100%. It's super hard to wash off your face. You're like, you end up sc almost scratching it off with yeah. your nails. Then it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was important to me was to like reduce the amount of, of, uh, white residue. Um, and I think having it, you know, kind of be that balance of, of, uh, moisturizing without it being overly oily. Um, and have it and have it work and have it be water and sweat resistant because everything that I do and have ever really done as far as hobbies go is outdoors is caught you're sweating or getting wet in water and, or snowboarding you know you're you you got to have it be water resistant so it has to be all those things and it has to be something that you want to put on you're not dreading to put on every morning I, th I think people are starting to like we're starting to learn things you know as like as we're uh seeing you know these older pro surfers and snowboarders as they're aging and well some of them are looking a good 15 20 years older than than they should and so i think that that in itself is probably nobody i don't care who you are you don't want to look 20 years older you don't want to look 60 at 40 and so um i think that i mean protecting your skin and then you know um skin cancer risks and um, I think people are becoming more aware and I think, you know, before I would see, um, I'd probably, you know, usually be the only guy out of my, my friends who would use 
sunscreen when I was um, surfing or playing golf. And now it's like everybody, it seems like people are really educated more these days about it. That, so you barely had options back then, right? I mean, I was going to Erewhon. Yeah. Before Erewhon was yeah, like, now it's thing. like, now it's like, you can't even get in the parking lot. <laughs> right, you know? Literally. And so that's where I was buying all my sunscreens and toothpaste and all my whatever, like natural hip, hippie stuff. Back then it was all hippie. You know, you're a hippie if you use it. And now it's like, it's cool. Everyone's into it. And tell me about the deodorants. By the time this comes out, there'll be two more that we'll be carrying. Um, I'm super excited about one of the scents in particular. I think it's the eucalyptus pink grapefruit bergamot. Um, Tell us what's so good about the deodorant. So yeah, uh, the deodorant was a pleasant surprise. We did it because, um, you know, I mean, deodorants fall just in that same category, you know, in your active lifestyle, whatever you're doing, you're using a deodorant, you need it. And I I grew up not using the aluminum chemical deodorants. So the first one, or the current one, is a lavender sage deodorant. And um, it's, we worked hard on it. It's lasts super long, no matter what you're doing, no matter how hot it is, it really, it really works. But I get this question all the time though, because I do wear a natural deodorant now. Um, do they work? Do they actually work? That's always the question that I get asked. If honestly, they, if they're, if they're good formulations, they can if they have baking soda in it. They're usually. I mean, I grew up. I grew up when I was younger using Old Spice, and I'll say that a good baking soda deodorant is will last longer. It will protect longer than uh, than even a chemical deodorant like that. We had somebody who, um, so she for some reason got admitted to the hospital for something and she had put on deodorant before and she was in the hospital for two and a half days. And there's this comment, I still have it. I could send it to you. And she was, she was saying she used our deodorant before she got admitted to the hospital. And then two and a half days later, when she got out, she still wasn't smelling and she didn't get the shower or anything. And so it's, it's sort of the combination of the baking soda. And then also it's more of a creamy like paste formula than your traditional glidey deodorant so you have that like thin like bear like cream barrier on your um, underarms that's also protecting the, the odor from coming through and the two new um deodorants that we're releasing i'm really excited about they're completely different formulas so they are um more clear applications and the, it's just it's really to be able to just kind of um offer something com- something different and diversify the line because you know some people I mean, it's, we, we developed it for the people with baking soda sensitivity and, and we feel like we did a really good job. It took us over a year to, uh, to develop it and they think they smell great and they work great. And you're really putting that time and effort into these formulations too. And I think that that comes with having a thoughtful but limited skew, uh, number of SKUs. How, how do you think about coming up with a new product? What's your process like when you, when you kind of even narrow down which which category you want to go into. So there's products that we have been developing since the start that still haven't came out and we're still developing. We just want to make, we want to be so proud of everything that we release and have it be functional and really work and be the best in its category. And that's like, that's sort of our mission. And sometimes it happens really quick, you know, within the first couple of rounds and Sometimes it may never even come to life. And so we just, yeah, I mean, there's just products we're excited to, to, to develop and we want to make the essential skincare and, and really, um, you know, our, our thing is, you know, our, our background is from, 
from that world of, you know, um, action sports and, and, you know, athletics and, and being outdoors and, and that kind of thing. And we really want to formulate these um, products that are, you know, that are really work and whether you are using it outside or we're developing a facial cream, that's like a great recovery cream from after you've been in the sun, or even if you're just skin is super dry and, um, yeah, we're just taking the time to develop them as, as, as best as we can and be really proud of our formulas. Let's take a quick break from my chat with salt and stone creator, Nima Jalali. Because guys, I want to talk to you. Yes, you gentlemen. I have four brothers and one boyfriend, and I know most of them need nagging to get on the skincare bandwagon and use that sunscreen. As a gal who grew up under the Texas sun, I know firsthand the parental nagging to slather on that SPF. And earlier this season, I heard from celebrity facialist Joanna Vargas that sunscreen is the real secret to Julianne Moore's amazing ageless skin. But guys, I know you may not listen to your parents or your esthetician or your girlfriend, so listen to a very cool, very accomplished pro snowboarder when he tells you how important it is to protect yourself from those rays. As you'll hear, my guest Nima Jalali specifically designed his SPF line to wear from the ocean to the office, if that's the kind of lifestyle that you're able to lead. So if it can carry you from surfboard to boardroom, it'll also cover you for all of your day-to-day sun protection needs. So grab yourself a couple bottles or sticks of salt and stone sunscreen with free one-day shipping at Verashop. Just head to verashop.com slash inspo and click on Nima's photo to shop the episode. And first-time shoppers can take 20% off their purchase with the code INSPOSNOW. That's I-N-S-P-O-S-N-O-W. And don't forget to add some lip balm to your cart. We can barely keep that stuff in stock. All right, back to my conversation with Nima. So I want to go back to something you said earlier that it used to be when you're on the mountain, you're the only guy putting on sunscreen. Now if you're, you know, surfing, snowboarding, playing golf with your buddies, everyone's doing it. I think that sunscreen has kind of proven to be a gateway for men to actually start thinking about skincare, not just, you know, using the bar soap in the shower and calling it a day. And you pack like herbal extracts and other things into your sunscreen too. Why do you do that? Um, I just think it's important for your sunscreen to do more than than protect your skin from from UV rays. I think that um, we use hyaluronic acid in our um, SPF 50 formula. We just we just love it to be multi-use. Um, you know, I know a lot of uh, my fiance and a lot of a lot of women use sunscreen every day, even if they're even if it's a cloudy day, she'll use sunscreen on my face, on my hands, if I'm driving, always, always. Now I want to talk about uh, one kind of point of your um, formulation that I do think is important, particularly these days. I think there's been more awareness talking about not only what you're putting on your skin, but the um, the knockout effects of the environment of all the products we're using. So your your sunscreens in particular, they're reef safe. What does that mean, reef safe? So reef safe means <clears throat> no uh, oxybenzone and no octin- octinoxate. And these are two ingredients that have been found to um, damage the coral reef. And so Hawaii has put a ban on them. And um, so we just, you know, I mean, with us having such a, such a surfing being such a big influence on our company we definitely had to formulate the products to be reef safe i do think all the little things do add up to positive change so obviously you are you've been driven a lot by passion your your first life as a snowboarder was was not just for the financial gain uh you were scrapping by because you really loved it 
With your business now, you talked a lot about the branding and kind of what it means. How do you continue to grow the business and not lose the soul that seems to be so important to you at the get-go? Well, we're so we're so new right now that we really have no place to go but up. And with us launching these new products, it's been a um, there's been nowhere to go but up. And it's it's just so small right now that we're able to really like stay focused on on our on what we're trying to do. What determines whether some a product makes the cut or not? Um, honestly. If, if it works and if we love it, you know, it's really me and Noel, my fiance, and like we have the fine, I mean, we have a, a big uh, sort of focus group of people that we give samples to and we all try it and give feedback and stuff, but it comes down to me and her. We, we make that, that decision, like we love it, everyone loves it, we're, we're doing it, we're going with it. And so it really comes down to that. So if you were to think about where you were 10 years ago, um, did you ever think that you'd be doing this, what you're doing now? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, if it, if this brand went in the direction that I thought it was going to go, you know, to be sort of positioned in the, in, in the surf market, yes. But we're now, you know, um, in every room at the Edition Hotel in West Hollywood. We're now um, going to be in Dover Street Market, and we're in Dover Street Market Perfumery in Paris. And um, never thought I'd, we'd, I'd have a brand that would be shipping to accounts like that. So no, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think you're still chasing? What are you still chasing at this moment? Um, I mean, I want, I want the brand to continue to grow. It's been so fun and so exciting and definitely the biggest challenge and the biggest re- reward um, company that I've ever had. And so um, I just want to keep that going and I want to keep, keep growing it. It's, it's just been so fun and I want to, I enjoy doing it and I want to continue to do it. And I think just, Naturally, the next step is more products and, and continuing to, to grow the brand. Did you, when you were a snowboarder, did you at the time, maybe you were too young, I don't know. Did you think about what your own kind of personal legacy would be at the time? Um, when I was pro snowboarding? Mm-hmm. A little bit, yeah. Has that changed at all between then and now? Uh, not really. Not really. I mean, I feel like, you know, what's what's interesting is like, I feel like whether it was snow, snowboarding or um, running the companies, I've, I like find a way to make, to keep myself so busy with it that I don't ever really sit back and just dwell on what my legacy is going to be. I'm just like, go, 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 go. I'm always working nonstop. And when I'm not, that's when I squeeze the time in to go snowboard or surf or go for a run or do whatever. So, um, I'm not, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's something that I'm overly concerned about. Is that, is snowboarding still your, is it, is it your outlet now? Is it your fun space now? How do you um, think about it these days? So it's weird. I have my, uh, my seasons that I get the itch to go snowboarding. So for example, two seasons ago, I think I went like a hundred days or some, you know, maybe almost a hundred days. And last season I went one day. And so it, it's really, just one. yeah, just, just one. It's weird because I, I get the itch sometimes and I don't sometimes. And um, it just kind of depends. And after snowboarding, I got so burnt out on it because I started associating stress with snowboarding because it, it turned into my job. It turned into my paycheck. I started getting older and I started, you know, if I lose this paycheck, I can't rely on my parents anymore. Like I just, I'd have to go get another job. So I had to get serious about it. And so, um, it started getting a little bit stressful, which was 
you know, another reason why I was okay with exiting being a pro snowboarder. At this moment, what's your favorite place to go? Oh, man. Uh, I would say, okay, so my favorite place, and this is going to sound weird, but my favorite place is right up here. It's called Mount Waterman. It's a little mom and pop ski hill. The guy only opens when he wants to. Um, I went, That's the life. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I went up there um, two years ago when they just got a huge storm. And we ended up hiking up to the chairlift. And they were secretly running the chairlift up there. <laughs> and I asked him why. And I said, why aren't you opening? And I think it was Super Bowl Sunday. And he said, oh, because we're all leaving early to go watch the Super Bowl. And so that's why he didn't open the ski resort. But it's it's the best, like when it does snow, and it used to snow a lot there growing up. That's where I grew up snowboarding. It doesn't snow there much anymore, but when it does, the terrain is so good. You feel like you're in Tahoe or Mammoth, and it's so fun. And that's definitely my favorite place. And probably for nostalgic reasons, too. Um, some geeky sunscreen questions. You, are, you obviously pay a lot of attention to your formula. Is there, can you leave your formula in a hot car? Is that going to do anything to it? How long should you hold on to your sun care? I have a, a, a beach bag. I don't know how long my sunscreen's been in there. What should people be thinking about when they think about the natural sunscreen? So it's not even just with sunscreen. I mean, with any lotion of any sort, you don't want to leave it in a hot car on a hot day. It'll just liquefy and just, that's not where you want to store it. So no, don't leave it, <laughs> don't leave it in, a, in your trunk um, on a hundred degree day. Um yeah, bring it back upstairs, bring it up back up to your place. And um, it's fine. I mean, in your beach bag is totally fine, obviously, outside and for the day. So that's fine. Uh, the other, the last product that we didn't touch on that is actually flying off of our shelves is the chopstick, the SPF oh, chopstick yeah. in particular. And it's it's $5. It's such an easy price point. SPF for your lips, is that, why should we be thinking about that? I mean, it's it's just as important as is your face. It's right there on your face. Um, it's just uh, yeah, you know. I mean, you, you've gotten a bad sunburn from the mountains. You're, you know, it, I feel oh like oh my god, on first, your lips is the first thing to yeah, go. Yeah, I feel like your nose and your lips yep. are like the first thing to go, and so it's really important to protect your lips, definitely. And you can just throw that in your cart, check out, throw it in your pocket, yeah. keep it next we've to the had, bed, whatever. And we've had some of our retailers ask why some of some of those, like that item and some of our items are priced so low compared to the others. And I, I honestly think it's because that's just the sort of the world I grew up in. You know, I didn't grow up buying $50 sunscreens. And so even though like I feel like our formulations are using the same ingredients and in my opinion, just as good or better than those $50, $60 formulas. I just want to make it accessible for everybody and affordable for everybody. Even the next crop of snowboarders who are heading up to the mountain or the surfers who are hitting the uh, the waves here in LA. And we're in some ski resorts now, and I, I, I just love it because like some ski resorts that I grew up going to, it just makes me so happy to like go into Snowbird or Timberline and see the uh, see our sunscreens in there. It's cool. As you've transitioned into business world, what's been the biggest thing you've learned? The biggest thing I've learned, I mean, I've learned, I think that mistakes, you know, are going to cost you money and you need to really think things through and take your time. I think that that is a lot different than this, than my snowboard career where you get excited about something and you go try something and you don't really need to put thought into it. You just go do it. And that's the approach that I've, I've been trying to like kind of slow down in my head because I get excited about something and I just do it. Um, and so I think I've, 
you know, definitely learn to take my time with it and think, think things slow, slower through, think things through slower and, and, uh, uh, really, you know, be more methodical with everything instead of just getting so excited and jumping into something. If you had one personality trait that you would buck up against anyone and say, this is going to win it for me, this is my superhero trait, what would it be? Probably is work ethic. Yeah, probably my work ethic. I just, I can't, I, right now I just can't stop. And I love it. I, I really enjoy working. So I would say that you, I could put my work ethic up to anybody and stand up to it, yeah. That's all for my chat with Salt and Stone creator and former pro snowboarder Nima Jalali. I want to hear where you are using your Salt and Stone sunscreen. Tweet at me or slide into my DMs at Alex Barinka on Instagram, and I may even read it on the next episode. As always, you can shop all the Salt and Stone products we talked about in this episode with free one-day shipping and free returns at Veroshop. Just go to veroshop.com/inspo and click on Nima's picture. And don't forget the special code for first-time Veroshop customers. You can take 20% off your first purchase with the code INSPOSNOW. Thanks for listening and see you soon.